What do you see in this picture? It's a pig and a couple other pigs. Some of you are thinking, wow, that's really cute. Some of you are thinking that's a little bit disgusting. And some of you are starting to think about lunch. <laughs> How many of you look at that picture and see an image of God? Perhaps you should. Some of you will have heard of the biblical name for God, El Shaddai. This is probably not the exact image that the biblical writers had in mind when they referred to God as the many-breasted one. The ancient Hebrews weren't too fond of pigs. But I settled on this image because I think this pig pretty strongly illustrates the point, and there are some things that you just don't want to type into Google whenever you're using a church computer. <laughs> El Shaddai, the many-breasted God, the God who provides and sustains, the giver of life who draws us close, invites us in, nourishes us with the gift of her own body. I've heard some of my female friends who have given birth talk about realizing their feminine superpower. They can literally keep another human being alive for like a year and a half using nothing but their own bodies. That's amazing. And that's the strength of this image of God, El Shaddai. I'm guessing you haven't seen the many-breasted God written in most of your English Bible translations. And that's fair. El Shaddai appears 48 times in the Hebrew Bible, and most English translations use the word almighty. But I like this footnote from the inclusive Bible. The name El Shaddai is usually translated the almighty, under the assumption that it derives either from the word Shaddad, which means burly or powerful, or from Shaddah, which means mountain, making the name mean God of the mountains. There is growing opinion, however, that Shaddai may derive from the word shad, or breast. Thus, El Shaddai may be a feminine image of God, meaning the breasted God. Then again, since mountains are frequently shaped like breasts, those two interpretations are not mutually exclusive. Lots of visuals today. <laughs> There's your lesson in Bible translation. El meaning God, and Shaddai being the plural of shad, breast. I like what this says about the two interpretations not being mutually exclusive. While I wouldn't dare to refer to any woman as burly, there's definite power and strength in the feminine image of the breastfeeding God. I think that's the idea that William Young, author of The Shack, has in mind when he depicts God as this matronly African-American woman. She has a very large, gracious, powerful presence. El Shaddai, source of life and sustenance, as the hymn puts it, we are children of the Heavenly Father, or in this case, Heavenly Mother, safely in her bosom gather. That image of God fits very well with the Enneagram personality type we're talking about today. Type two, the caring interpersonal type, generous, demonstrative, people-pleasing, and possessive. Two Sundays ago, we talked about type four, and Joel and Katie showed us something of the beauty and depth of God in their sharing of their, their experiences. Last week, Ken and Tom reflected about the effectiveness of God in their sharing about getting things done as type threes. And today, type two, the helper or the giver. I'm sorry to say that type two is not my primary type, and unfortunately, no type twos offered to share from their personal experience. 
Whenever I asked at the beginning of this series um, for volunteers to share, of course the type fours volunteered right away because, well, this is exciting, a chance to think about themselves and how they're really doing and share this and perhaps be understood a little bit better. So they signed up right away. The type threes said, well, I can do that. And that will prove my value to the community. And so they sat down and started working right away to do that. But the twos, they don't really like being in the spotlight. And besides, their month was very busy helping with all the things to make the MCC sale run last weekend. <laughs> if I wanted to, I could have gotten some of the twos to volunteer. If I had said, I really need someone to share, can you help? Well, of course then, the twos would have answered yes. Those words, I need you, are huge motivators for the twos. Like several of the other types, the twos are oriented towards relationship. Their world revolves around the people that they love. In the Bible story of Ruth, Naomi was Ruth's mother-in-law when both of their husbands died. In that culture, there was no connection between them after their husbands. It was all about that relationship, and when their husbands died, Naomi urged Ruth to go on, take another husband. She was still young enough to make a new life for herself. She owed Naomi nothing. But what did Ruth say? Where you go, I will go. And your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. That's definitely the mentality of a two. Choosing to value relationship, to give the relationship the priority, even over their personal identity. Where you go, I will go. Twos are also great at identifying people's needs. Hospitality is definitely a gift for most twos. They'll be the first to notice that your drink could use a top-up. They wouldn't dream of showing up empty-handed when you invite them over for dinner. If you've ever been hosting a party and you've been so busy hosting and, and taking care of other people that you've forgotten to eat yourself, you might be a two. Another classic two story in the Bible is when Jesus went to the home of Mary and Martha. While Martha is busy being the perfect hostess, Mary sits at Jesus' feet and listens to his teaching. And after a while, Martha is really frustrated with this. She's so frustrated with Mary's uselessness that she goes to Jesus and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Martha, Martha. I know, some of you are really frustrated by this story because, come on, Jesus, if Martha doesn't do it, then who will? Who's going to fetch the water, start the fire, prepare the meal? Who's going to take the coats and serve the drinks and set the table? What's she supposed to do? Invite this famous rabbi over to her house and not make sure that he and his entourage are taken care of? If you think Martha's got a fairly, fairly good point, you might be a two. Incidentally, both men and women can be type twos. In our culture, most women are expected to act as twos, whether that's their primary type or not. Women are given the tasks of, of work, the work of serving and listening and responding to the needs of others. No doubt, as we've been talking, most of you have been thinking about your mothers and your grandmothers we've, as we talk about hospitality and nurturing. Most of the Mennonite women that I've talked to score very highly in the type two um, area when they take an Enneagram test, even if that's not the type that they identify with most strongly. As Tom mentioned last week, our personalities are shaped by a combination of things, our inherent dispositions, our family of origins, and the circumstances of our lives. 
There's a lot of cultural baggage around the type two role in particular. And there are a lot of expectations that our culture expects this to be the ideal, the ideal of what it means to be feminine. But certainly not all women are oriented around relationships and meeting the needs of others. And it's not only women who find deep satisfaction in those things. From the biblical perspective, there are plenty of men who seem to show type two behaviors. Jonathan, uh, the best friend of David, the apostle John, the good Samaritan, Joseph, Jesus' father. Even Jesus is described as, by some Enneagram teachers as a type two. As with all the Enneagram types, type twos are not the only ones to be hospitable and helpful. Hopefully we all have a bit, a bit of that in us. To be oriented towards relationship, to put the needs of others ahead of our own, that is at the heart of Christian discipleship. But for twos, that, that just comes naturally. It flows out of who they are. It's the fullest expression of themselves. And as with all types, that core identity can be both a gift and a burden. For twos, the trouble often comes in identifying so strongly with the needs of others that they lose track of their own identity, their own needs. Twos are part of the heart center in the Enneagram system, along with the threes and fours. So they feel things quite deeply, and they're capable of great compassion and empathy, and that's a really good thing. But twos, threes, and fours can also get stuck at that emotional level. The danger for twos is that their emotions are so oriented towards others. They're looking to see how everybody else is feeling, to tell them how they should be feeling. They're, they lose track of their own emotions. They care so deeply about how, how others are doing and feeling that they don't pay attention to how they're feeling. It doesn't really matter how I'm doing as long as everyone else is happy. Have you ever noticed in the story of Ruth and Naomi that Ruth kind of fades away in the end? She has bound her life to Naomi's. They go to live in Naomi's hometown. Naomi tells her where to work, how to behave, and eventually who to marry. By all accounts, Ruth is very pleased with this arrangement. She's happy to obey, and, and things turn out well for her. She marries Naomi's relative, and they have a son. But when this son is born, in the biblical account, nobody says, wow, congratulations to Ruth. Your faithfulness has been rewarded. The story ends, then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. Which is true, but what about Ruth? She kind of fades into the background. We're not even sure who, which one of the women she is in this picture. But we know who Naomi is. This is Naomi's story, not Ruth's. And on the one hand, that's the humility of the two. They're not doing things for the spotlight. No doubt Ruth cared more about Naomi's happiness than her own. But on the other hand, is that really healthy? Or is disappearing into someone else's story a path towards dependence and resentment? Because twos don't actually want to disappear. They long to be noticed and accepted and loved just like everyone else. Downplaying those desires doesn't make them go away. The other shadow side for many twos is that the desire to be helpful can become a compulsive need to be needed. At the heart of the two identity is the belief that if they work hard enough to keep others happy, if they meet all the needs of all the people in their lives, they will be loved in return. And so what looks like sacrificial love often comes with strings attached. Twos often struggle with shame, that feeling that they're not worthy of the connection with these people that they care about so much. And so they work, work, work to earn the love that they crave. And that works until it doesn't. 
Caring for someone is no guarantee that they'll love you back. Why can't you be there for me like I'm there for you? And nobody can meet all the needs of another person, much less all the people that they want to love. And twos know that. They're aware that they will ultimately fail to be everything that their loved ones need them to be. And what then? Will we still love them? Will God still love them when they fail us or when we don't need them anymore? And again, that's not just a two thing, but many twos tend to organize their lives around that impulse. Twos, like everyone else, desperately want to be loved, but they're often afraid to ask for the love that they need. I suspect that's what's really going on when Martha approaches Jesus. She's not really looking for help with the dishes. She wants Jesus to notice her efforts, to give her some of the attention that he's been lavishing on her sister. Her sister's just sitting there, and Jesus is noticing her, but she wants Jesus to love her. But how can she earn his love if he doesn't need what she has to offer? Twos often struggle to relate to God, because what can you give to the God who has everything? How can you relate to God when he doesn't need anything from us? God doesn't need our help, not really. So what does that, where does that leave someone whose identity is wrapped up in being helpful? Twos live in that tension, that spectrum of compulsion and dependence, and that can feel like manipulation to their loved ones. Oh, no, no, you can't really leave the table until you've had a third helping of my mashed potatoes. What, you don't really like my mashed potatoes? Sorry, Grandma, I don't think it's really about the mashed potatoes now, is it? What happens when the kids grow up and they don't need you anymore? What happens when your girlfriend tells you to back off and give her some space? Or when the church has all the volunteers it could possibly use and there's nothing for you to, to do to serve? Just kidding, that will never happen. <laughs> We've got lots of places to serve. Come and talk to me. That's the deep struggle of the two. There are always limits to love that can be earned. Love that can be earned can also be lost. I have to love you well enough that you love me back without asking, without my asking for your love. That's a really heavy burden to carry around. So what do we do with this picture of the type two personality? For one, we practice gratitude. Twos do so much for us. They support us in so many practical and emotional and spiritual ways. Our families and workplaces and communities would fall apart without the care and attention that twos give. Our church would certainly not function without them. And yet, twos are often taken for granted, partly because they avoid the spotlight and wouldn't dream of begging for compliments. They, they want us to notice them, they want us to appreciate what they're doing, but they would never ask for that. But mostly it's because the rest of us are, are so busy lapping up what the twos are offering to us that we miss them as people. Because we're all longing for love and attention in various ways. And twos are built to hone in on that and to give us what we're looking for. And since they don't ask anything for return, it's easy for us to just turn on that tap and keep drinking as long as they'll give it to us. So to all the twos in the room, thank you. You give so much to us. You do make our world a better place. You serve so well, and we see you. You are godlike in your capacity for care, sacrifice, and empathy. You are the very image of El Shaddai, the many-breasted God, the source of life and nourishment. We see you, and we love you. We are thankful for all that you give to us. But more than that, we love you just for who you are. You are worthy and lovable 
and we won't abandon you if and when you do let us down. That's what the twos in your life really want to hear in some way or another. So don't make them work for it. Pay attention to them. Whenever you can, give back to them the care and nourishment that they give to the rest of us. And if this description of the type two is ringing true with your identity, the invitation to you is to learn to trust and to rest in God's love. El Shaddai, the source of life and nourishment. That's not only the God who lives in you, that's who God wants to be for you as well. In our scripture reading from the Gospel of John, we read the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Now, the twos will identify with that story, and they'll picture themselves grabbing that basin and towel to wash someone else's feet. And that's great. Definitely do that. But first, let Jesus wash your feet. Like the wisdom from the flight attendant, you have to put your own mask on first. Before you can serve, before you go around filling up the cups of others, you have to allow your own cup to be filled. That's the only way to love without strings attached. To learn to rest in the love that you receive, even as you give love and nourish those around you. So that's the image, the Enneagram Type 2, the image of El Shaddai. As our prayer practice today, I'm going to invite the ushers to uh, hand out some thank you cards for you to fill out. So they'll pass them around, just take one and pass it on. They have some pencils as well. I imagine that as I've been talking this morning, describing the gifts of the twos, you've had at least one friend or family member come to mind, somebody who gives you a lot in one form or another without asking for anything in return. So as your prayer, I invite you to write a note of gratitude to them. Maybe they're a type two, maybe they're not. Either way, I'm sure that they would appreciate a note from you telling them what they mean to you. Even if you don't plan on giving it to them or if that's not possible because they're gone, you can write down your gratitude as a prayer to the God who made them. And if you would like to give them this note, um, there'll be envelopes at the back and you can grab one of those as well on your way out. As you think about that, as you write your notes, I'm going to play a song by the artist Sleeping at Last. Um, that's not a reference to Harv in the back seat or back row there. <laughs> um, that's just the name of the artist. Um, this artist is writing, writing a process of, or is, is in the process of writing a song about each of the Enneagram types. And this is his song, Type 2. Sweetheart, you look a little tired. When did you last sleep? Call me to make yourself right at home. Stay as long as you need. Tell me something wrong. If something's wrong, you can count on me. You know, take my heart clean apart if it helps yours be. It's okay if you can't find the words. Let me take your coat and the weight off of your shoulders. Like a force to be reckoned with, a mighty ocean or a gentle kiss.
You can take the oxygen straight out of my old chest. Just wanna.